Have you ever wondered where you can go in the Salt Lake Valley to browse one of the largest inventories of books that'll help you defend the Christian faith? The answer is the Utah Christian Research Center, located at 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper, Utah. The center is open Wednesday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at utahchristianresearchcenter.com. utahchristianresearchcenter.com. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Does 1 Corinthians 15:40 really support the LDS concept of three degrees of glory. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue our look at a talk given by Dallin H. Oaks. Dallin H. Oaks, at the time he gives this message, is a member of the First Presidency, first counselor in the First Presidency. It was a conference message titled Kingdoms of Glory. And what I appreciate about Dallin Oaks' talk, Eric, is the fact that he is dealing with some unique LDS theology. This is doctrine in Mormonism. And the point we've been trying to bring out as we go through this series, and we began last week on this talk, is he's showing that what he is teaching is unique to the LDS Church and comes from what they call modern revelation. He will sometimes throw in a Bible verse, but the Bible verse really doesn't support what the modern revelation is supposed to be telling us. You have to take that verse out of context and give it a whole nother meaning that the author never intended in order to come up with this doctrine. That's why they have that phrase, modern revelation. You're not going to see these things being taught clearly, as a Latter-day Saint would say, just by reading that particular passage. And we're going to demonstrate that in today's show. We talked about yesterday how Oak said that all of God's children will inherit a kingdom of glory whose laws they can comfortably abide. And I mentioned how, according to LDS theology, you have the lowest degree, the telestial kingdom, which is where adulterers and liars and whoremongers are going to abide. If they are going to comfortably abide there, does that mean they're going to be allowed to practice that kind of behavior in the telestial kingdom? If there's adulterers there, how do you have an adulterer who, who isn't married? That, that seems a little odd because the whole word adultery talks about infidelity on the part of a married individual. Well, there is no marriage in the telestial kingdom. So I'm not really sure what Dallin Oaks is trying to imply here, and he doesn't elaborate on what he's saying. Now we are going to look into the requirements of what is expected of an individual in order to get to one of these three degrees of glory in the very next paragraph. He said, as we describe the nature and requirements of each of the three kingdoms of, in the Father's plan, we begin with the highest, which is the focus of the divine commandments and ordinances God has revealed through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In the celestial glory, there are three levels, of which the highest is exaltation in the celestial kingdom. This is the dwelling of those, quote, who have received of his fullness 
and of his glory, end quote. Wherefore, quote, they are gods, even the sons and daughters of God, end quote, and, quote, dwell in the presence of God and his Christ forever and ever, end quote. Okay, let's go back and analyze what he said here. He said, there are requirements for each of these three kingdoms, and we've talked on that, and we quoted Wilford Woodruff a couple times, the fourth president of the church, where he made it very clear that there are certain laws that must be followed if you hope to get into a particular kingdom. There is a celestial law for the celestial kingdom, a terrestrial law for the terrestrial kingdom, and a telestial law for the telestial kingdom. Now, all of us as humans are following one of those sets of laws. Whether you know it or not, you are. And it doesn't matter even if you know which laws you're following. Although, you would think that a Latter-day Saint is hoping that they are keeping celestial law because their goal in the next life is to get into the celestial kingdom. They are looking for exaltation in the celestial kingdom, which means their good works are going to favor them and they will be sent, and this is a word that Dallin Oaks uses, they will be sent, they will be sent to the level that they will comfortably abide. So if they were comfortably living a celestial law, they're going to go to the celestial kingdom. The problem is, is we don't find Latter-day Saints that really are comfortable with celestial law because we haven't found any that are really keeping it. That we've met a lot of Latter-day Saints who are hoping they would keep it at some point in their life, but it's very rare to come across even a Latter-day Saint who would say they are keeping it, even when in their heart they probably aren't. And Bill, what he's talking about here is within the celestial kingdom, there are three levels. We don't hear anything, I don't believe, of the middle or bottom level of the celestial glory. Now, in earlier days, when the blacks were not allowed to hold the priesthood, they were told they could get to the celestial kingdom at the bottom level where they would be servants of somebody who was at the top level. But that's curious that there are three levels that I don't know what kind of support you can give from either the Bible or the Book of Mormon that tells you that within the celestial kingdom there are three levels. Yeah, they just come up with that. And of course, they give the top level the name of the Church of the Firstborn. But at the beginning of this show, I asked the question, does the Bible support this concept of three degrees of glory as it's taught in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? That statement that Dallin Oaks makes, where he says, in the celestial glory, there are three levels of which the highest is exaltation in the celestial kingdom. He has two footnotes within that sentence. The first footnote is footnote number five. And when you look at footnote number five, it says 1 Corinthians 1540. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 1540, it doesn't say that there are three degrees of glory as understood in the LDS church. It actually says this, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. Now, I am reading from the ESV, that's a modern translation, but I think it's a good rendition of what the Greek text is telling us. In the King James, of course, it would say something to the effect that there are heavenly bodies or, or celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but that's all it says. Where do we find in our Bibles where it talks about these three levels? Well, you have to go to footnote six in that same sentence. 
Footnote 6 says, in order to get that answer, you have to go to the Joseph Smith translation, which is also listed in footnote number 5. After it reads 1 Corinthians 15.40, it says, see also Joseph Smith translation. Why would you have to go to the Joseph Smith translation? Because in the JST, Joseph Smith, who merely took a King James Bible, opened it up and started making alterations wherever he saw fit. He does the same thing with 1 Corinthians 15.40, and this is what it says. And also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial and bodies telestial, but the glory of the celestial one, the terrestrial another, and the telestial another. What did he do? He adds the word telestial, which, is that even a word outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Because if I remember correctly, when I got my first word processor program for my, my big computer that had a whole 40 megabytes of hard drive, when I typed in telestial the first time, I remember it got a squiggly line under it, which meant that that word was probably misspelled or didn't exist. Now, I don't know if it's that way now. Maybe the, the church has had enough influence that they stuck that in there as a regular word, but it's a made-up word. It's a nonsense word. It only makes sense in the context of Mormonism. But one thing we do know, it is not found in our Bibles. It is only found in the Joseph Smith translation. And remember, Joseph Smith's translation is not a translation at all. He did not use any ancient languages. You will not find in any Greek text where the word telestial is found. It's just not there. And it's not in any Bible version other than the Joseph Smith translation. What this means is that Joseph Smith, in his arrogance, can doctor up the Bible any way he wants and stick words in the text that he desires so that people will believe something that he is saying that does not speak well of Latter-day Saints who believe him when he does that. Because Latter-day Saints are going to be responsible for believing Joseph Smith when he says something that God never said, in this case, that the Apostle Paul never said. Uh, he continues on, through revelation, God has revealed the eternal laws, ordinances, and covenants that must be observed to develop the godly attributes necessary to realize this divine potential. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints focuses on these because the purpose of this restored church is to prepare God's children for salvation in the celestial glory, and more particularly for exaltation in its highest degree. So when Mormons speak of heaven— we have to understand them in this context that Dallin Oaks is giving us, that when they speak of heaven, they're speaking of this celestial exaltation. They're not speaking of a place that they think you are going if you're not a member. Because, see, as a non-member, you will not be able to go to the celestial kingdom. Even if you were to believe Joseph Smith's message after you die— and you find yourself in spirit prison, and you're visited by spirit missionaries who are going to tell you about Joseph Smith, if you are to embrace the restored gospel, as they call it, in the spirit world, in spirit prison, then you can only hope for the best of being placed in the terrestrial kingdom. You will not go to the celestial kingdom. It's understood by many LDS leaders that once you are assigned to a certain level— 
That's where you will stay for eternity. Now, I've talked to some Latter-day Saints who think that they will have the opportunity to better themselves, let's say, in the terrestrial kingdom and someday qualify for the celestial. That's a minority point of view. And I think the reason why it's a minority point of view is because it seems to undermine the whole idea of why we are here in our mortality right now. We are here to prove ourselves so that it can be determined by our actions and by our beliefs that we are worthy of getting into the celestial kingdom. I, I think Dallin Oaks is actually supporting what I just said. And Bill, that, that idea of that divine potential can only be realized through keeping the eternal laws, ordinances, and covenants. I think every Latter-day Saint needs to see this again. We don't want to beat a dead horse, but at the same time, we don't know of Latter-day Saints who are keeping the eternal laws that they're supposed to keep. If they're not able to keep them, then you're not going to realize that divine potential. Yeah, I think it needs to be emphasized when he says the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints focuses on these because the purpose of this restored church is to prepare God's children for salvation in the celestial glory. In other words, you've got to clean up your act and you've got to do all these things that the church tells you. Otherwise, you are not going to be qualified. Notice, no mention of what Jesus did. No mention whatsoever. It's all about what you do. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.